Hello and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm Jess and this is the podcast where I talk about life's toughest topics with lots of different brilliant people. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Parenthood. I'll be joined by Kate Comstock, a wife and mother of two boys. Kate is a trained doula and a board certified music therapist working with families across Southern California. We'll be diving into an honest conversation about the ups and downs of raising a child in today's society with the constant battle against judgment how life changes after the arrival of a baby and the importance of going with your gut. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Hi Kate, welcome to the show. Hi Jess. How are you? Lovely. (laughs) Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Happy 4th of July, we're recording this on a holiday. So thank you for making time. I know. Yeah, we are old friends. We this is our third Fourth of July, Fourth of July together. Yes. And we met training to be doulas, didn't we? We did. How long ago was that? Three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Three years ago in June. Met you in the class. Did learning how to support women in labour. That was pretty intense way to meet someone, wasn't it? That's definitely an intense way to meet someone, especially you know. You looked so cozy with your nursing pillow and your laptop. <laughs> I thought I like the way she rolls. Yeah, I do remember that because it was like I a do. long. You it was a long workshop, and I was like, "I'm getting a chair, and I'm getting a nursing pillow, and uh-huh. I'm going to be comfortable." I know. I'd been sitting on the floor, and I was like, no. "That lady is smart. Why am I sitting here suffering, That's, sitting on the floor?" I've always been like that. Like, <laughs> I, I think I get that from my mother, which used to annoy me when I was younger. <laughs> I, was, I was like, "Mom, why can't you just like go with the flow?" Uh-huh. And now I like she was a smart woman. Even if, yeah. even if like the social norm or the status quo is like, we're sitting on the floor, but there's a chair and a pillow available, guess what I'm doing? Yeah. I Man, I, I got one right after I yeah. saw you. I'm like, if she can do it, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it. Sometimes you've got to just go for things in life and go, I don't care anyone else thinks I'm doing it. It's true. So it's that, true. I, that's funny. I it's forgot like about that. chatting it up at that, that doula training. <laughs> but that's it was friendship at first sight, wasn't it? It really was. Yeah. And Thai food. Sushi. Yeah. It was sushi. We had sushi. And then how quickly after we did our training did we do our first birth together? Oh gosh! Did we get? Like I think we got six, trained six weeks, maybe. Yeah, we got trained in June, in June? and then we did our first birth in July. Like Mid July. Yeah, yeah. It was wow, quick. and that was a baptism by fire. Oh my Lord, was God. it ever! Wow, that so was. I think we were in the hospital for seventy-two hours, give or take. That was long. Yeah, was and very for long. anybody that doesn't know what a doula is, we are like a non-medical midwife. We don't participate in the medical side of things, no, but we're not helping. <laughs> we're like disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> we were we taught, don't pretend you're a no, doctor. No, we're non-medical, but we help women with physical, emotional mm-hmm. support, informational support. Yes. Yes. Um, sometimes doulas just work with women before they mm-hmm. go in, which would be called prenatal. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes doulas are there during the actual labor and mm-hmm. birth, and then they do a lot of work postnatal as well. Yes, exactly. So it's helping women um, just just having Hold a birth, space. yeah, Hold having space. a birthing partner. And that doesn't mean that um, if if they have a birthing partner, right. that doesn't mean a doula's not needed. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's. I think that's, that's a, extra help. I think isn't it's it? a big misconception. I think some people think like a doula is gonna be there to like take over mm-hmm. for the the role of the partner, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's to hold space for everyone, yeah, including the partner, because sometimes the partner needs mm-hmm. like I don't know what to do. So you're kind of there to help them. And yes. Well, when we first started out, we were volunteering because yes. our intentions were okay. We're gonna 
um, set up our own doula businesses and companies mm-hmm. and I think we both thought we were going to go off and be the next Anna Paula who was our trainer yes it's this amazing Brazilian woman who yes. just is like the birth Angelina Jolie yeah um <laughs> right but you do leave feeling like I've got this I'm gonna yeah. do it and then you get into it and you're like oh wow wow yeah okay um but we happened to um, volunteer first. We did. And the the four births that we... Well, I did four births. I think, did we do two of those together? Yeah. Because I went to do two on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, they were with people who were in a in a very different situation than, yes. than most doulas, I think, get hired yeah. for. I think most doulas are hired for um, a birth of a baby that's that's got two parents. And yeah. doulas do cost money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's usually people that are able to afford it and, and maybe have access to information and education right. on childbirth before yeah. going into it. Our first birth and then our second one ended up being with a young girl mm-hmm. who was in the foster care system. Yes. Who was... In a shelter, basically. Shelter who yeah. was, I would say, even though I'm not a doctor, like medium functioning autism there was definitely a lot of yeah um just some social social anxiety and and real struggle to understand things yeah so it was definitely a a situation that needed extra support and patience and and to have that be your first experience after being newly trained is quite intense that yeah just just how how she was on top of having a baby Mm -hmm. that's a lot yeah it's a lot too i remember her combined being you know one centimeter dilated and and not understanding why she couldn't push and why it wasn't time yeah and and also hard to convey that to her like it doesn't you're not just in labor and then get to push the baby out whenever you feel like it and that I think and that's maybe nothing to do with you know who she was as a person but that just speaks to the lack of education around childbirth I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people couldn't tell you from conception to birth how what's gonna happen and mechanically works yeah you know it's ha- true I mean even having two kids myself definitely wow you it's, learn it's, a lot it's eye-opening yeah yeah just certain things like how a, a huge role of cervical the doula opening I was, I'm getting to cervical opening Kate <laughs> I'm getting there I'm laboring down to it <laughs> <laughs> but how you know the a huge role of the doula is to help create a safe yes emotional space so those certain hormones like serotonin can help the brain to be relaxed which then goes down and helps to open up the cervix for a more successful easier birth like it's shown through so many studies and so many uh, research programs that having a doula more times than it doesn't leads to a less medically intervened birth yes. yeah. a mm-hmm. a mother walks away with a much less trauma traumatized mm-hmm. I can't say that word traumatized mm-hmm. experience yeah. feeling empowered you yes, know that's absolutely. kind of a great doula is um is empowering empowering mm-hmm. the mother to make her own decisions exactly and so that was incredible but oh gosh we were in the hospital for 72 hours because sleeping in a bathtub Oh, God, do you remember? I do. And I remember I felt so guilty for sleeping. I did too. So I was like, this poor girl, like, I can't... I felt, well, she's awake, I've got to be awake. But And obviously a doula yeah. is not... That's not the norm. No, Most women not. don't go into the hospital and are there for 72 hours. This particular case was because... She didn't this, have any other support. There was no other support. And because she mm-hmm. was quite traumatized and not sure what was going on it mm-hmm. was better for her to be in the hospital and be there for her early yes, early laboring mm-hmm. than you know to 
do what somebody else might do, which is to go, okay, you're only three centimeters, go, go home on. and labor mm-hmm. at home and get in the bath and take a walk and come back in yeah. when you're, when you're close. You know, she really did need to be that constant there, support, but mm-hmm. that just meant a really long time for us. And do you remember we ordered coffee from, what was it, Postmates? And Postmates, it you, was, you guys hosed us Postmates. Oh mm. yeah, you owe us Postmates. <laughs> we, um, <laughs> We were so desperate for coffee, remember? Because we'd been there. Yeah, because the cafeteria had closed. Yes. People think that hotel, or hotel, hospital cafeterias are open like 20%, but they're not. No, So we were just like, we need coffee. We've been like up all throughout the night. Oh, that was You know, just helping. And and it's physical work being a doula. like physical. Pressing down on the Mm -hmm. hips and, and... you feet know, massages, everything. back massages. You, you're just you're you're like a caring yeah. mother, really. You, you is what are. it is. Yeah. And we were so desperate for coffee, and we're like, oh my god, just just need it, need it. So we ordered coffee, and I think it came with the delivery fee and taxes and everything. It was like twenty five dollars, and we for got four coffees from Seven Eleven, and they were like these lukewarm shitty excuse me coffees I, I've never been so disappointed in my entire life, Kate. I was like, I was with what? you. What? Is that? Do you know? I just looked at the guy and I was like, "Do you know what I've been through?" And this, this is, is what, what you bring us: lukewarm <gasps> coffee that clearly was from Seven Eleven. It wasn't even terrible. from like a good coffee place. No, it was terrible. I would have paid twenty five. I mean, no. we did pay twenty five, but I would have been happy with anything. Yeah. But that, oh, that was oh wow. But it was. But then you know, going through all of that pre labor, and mm-hmm. I remember that you know the poor girl. She that. Not only was it, you know, we were dealing with a special case and mm-hmm. we were in there for so long, that yeah. poor girl... Um, she was a trooper. She was an amazing, amazing trooper for, for going through something so new. But mm-hmm. I just remember, for me, I'd always wanted to um, witness a birth and be a yeah. part of that. I'd always had a fascination with that. You know, I considered uh, studying midwifery at school. Right. Yeah. But I remember when that baby first started crowning seeing I was like oh this is it oh my god this is yeah. it and it was the most incredible experience and I have never given birth or I'm yeah. not a mother yet um but I just remember even for me and I wasn't even the one going through it going mm-hmm. it was all worth it yeah did you feel like that with your kids I did I definitely did I mean I you know I had cesareans with both of mine mm-hmm. one after a very long labor that was ultimately led down a different path to cesarean but yeah it's that moment of like oh all that mm-hmm. every last little ache and pain and terrible coffee and you know it's all ends up being worth it and you yeah. see that little baby and they've got this like, child oh. and yeah and, oh gosh and that was so so difficult because she ended up having like a fourth degree tear she did which is you know if you can imagine tearing down and back yeah that was just mm-hmm. oh and then she had to be rushed to surgery and then yeah. I didn't you went to surgery with her weren't you in the OR mm-hmm. and then I, I went to the NICU, NICU. with the baby mm-hmm. and that I mean gosh if 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 anything was like a solidifying yeah. experience for a friendship that was it you and I were like well we we've been through, through that it. so yep. yes it was amazing but oh, I did goodness. walk away feeling you know really just like I was part of something incredible it was which I can imagine that's what motherhood is like is that it is this battlefield but do you feel like you're part of something incredible yeah every day I mean you've met the boys yes Leo and Owen yeah yeah I mean the sleepless nights the diaper changes the blowout diapers oh don't get me started on blowout diapers lately your child just actually threw up down down your cleavage down my cleavage I was like, mm, well, it really got in there. It really did. And I was like, well, this is this is a sign of things to come. <laughs> See, and then they're all so different. Leo never spit up ever. Yeah. 
Owen just recently. Now he feels the need to just like. Maybe it was like a welcome gift because like, I haven't seen him in a while. Welcome back. I haven't seen you in a, in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me barf on you. Wow. Down your boobs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, sort of in the arena of what yeah, they're there know. for, exactly. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know what those are for. I'm just going to do the opposite. Opposite. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was, what was life like for you right after you gave birth? Oh, gosh. Well, it's been very different both times. I mean, with Leo, I was in labor for well over 24 hours and his the, the technical term is asynclentric his head was tilted just enough that it wouldn't engage properly in my um, pelvis mm-hmm. so he basically kind of got stuck yeah. so my my uh, labor slowed down they tried to get it going again with pitocin and you know and pitocin for everyone who doesn't know right. that's the synthetic oxytocin os- i was gonna say something else and i was like that was i was like that's a synthetic oxycotton that's not it <laughs> it's the that n- might help too <laughs> you'd feel great you would no that that is the the hormone that helps get labor going yes it's that like love hormone mm-hmm. that just makes Did everything you feel very happy. lovey when you had it no, no, no. So I mean, I don't. Then. I don't want women to be like afraid of pitocin because I mm-hmm. know so many women who are like, Ugh. yeah. But it's kind of like you do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. I went in and was like, I don't want to have to have any pitocin, mm-hmm. but I had to have some for about an hour because mm-hmm. they were trying to get my contractions to start again. And you know, when we do what we have to do yeah. to have healthy, happy babies, yeah. and I had to use pitocin for a an hour out of out of that big long chunk of time mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was different and um yeah we ultimately ended up with a cesarean the doctor said you can keep trying but I'm not sure it's gonna happen and at that point I was like tired tap out yeah. <laughs> like I can't if you're telling yeah. me it's not gonna happen and like I'm too swollen and like mm-hmm. my cervix had swollen shut because of the way his head was pressing mm. on my pelvis and so I wasn't dilate I wasn't gonna get past like six centimeters because like my cervix was so swollen mm-hmm. and so I just yeah said you know what if if that's what is willed to be then that's mm-hmm. what's gonna happen and so yeah we had a cesarean I had a wait we my husband did not have I a love cesarean it when, people, when husbands and wives go we're pregnant I go really no. how does that work <laughs> yes we did not have a cesarean yeah. I had a cesarean but yes um, you take that power back. yeah that, yeah um but yeah it was it was um I had a very different experience both times because with with Leah it was unexpected and with Owen I kind of had the option I really 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 wanted to do a VBAC if for people who don't know it's a vaginal birth after cesarean it's an acronym mm-hmm. and I really because of my doula training and my music therapy and working with moms in labor and delivery I just was like you know what I want to experience mm-hmm. that I want to know what that feels like and so I can help my clients and that kind of thing and then an example of it yeah yeah to you know and you know when we worked with Anna Paula she talked so much about the VBAC she had and I was like yes and my aunt had one and I was like I'm gonna do this Mm -hmm. and I talked to my doctor she was like it's up to you and then I really um you know you've been around me enough I'm pretty like I'm very open-minded I research but I'm very granola (laughs) but I am though I don't think some people realize that I am but but in a very unobnoxious way thank you I know people that are like (laughs) you know veganism is the way and I'm like that's great I think veganism is is wonderful but it's one way 
you know, but just calm down a minute, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. You're, you're a granola in a very, like, you know, approachable... Hey, would you like some granola? Not like, <laughs> eat the granola! <laughs> Have my coconut granola that's gluten-free. <laughs> it's um. been blessed by, you know, the holy monks of <laughs> Tibet. Great, thanks, I'll have some. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I mean, I did I did an angel card reading because mm-hmm. I was really kind of, I was very... Oh, you would do an I angel w- card I know, reading. I did. I know, see, I know. And I don't I don't tell very many people that I did that because I'm like, people are going to think I'm off my neck. You did an angel card reading to decide if you should have a cesarean or V-back. But it's, as a, as a woman, it's so hard to decide because no matter what you decide to do, someone judges you. Yeah. Whether you decide to have a vaginal delivery a planned cesarean, an unplanned cesarean, an epidural, pitocin, induce your labor, don't, and you know. Are you going to breastfeed? Are you going to bottle feed? Exactly. Are you going to give your child a dummy or a pacifier? Right. Are you going to try pull-ups or are you going to let them run around naked? Mm-hmm. Like Everything, it's like you can't win. Yeah. So I just thought, you know what? I had, a lot of people were very supportive, like, yeah, do your V-back. A lot of people were like, Girl, you need to just schedule schedule your cesarean. Mm. Just don't eat, don't put yourself through that. And I just thought I have to listen to my body and what it's telling me. And I did. I I really I meditated and prayed about it a lot and just really tried to listen to what my body was telling me. And then I did this angel card reading. Was like, should I try for a V back? And I was like really focused and had these crystals and my angel cards. And basically, it was like. What are you trying to, like, basically, I think I saved them on my phone. Like, I took pictures of the three mm-hmm. that came up. And it basically was like, why are you trying to prove something to other people? Mm. And I was like, damn it, Katie, you always do that. You're always trying to compromise just to show other people. Like, do something yeah. for yourself for once. And so I did. And I, I got up the next morning and I talked to my husband. And I said, I, I just, everything, and I, I really was trying to connect a lot with the baby, too. Because we didn't find out with either of our babies what we were having. So we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, we didn't find out for either. It was a surprise. And so, and I was really just trying to connect with the baby, like, all right, little baby, like, what I wanna want to try for this B, V back, but, like, are you going to come out that way? Are we going to work together? You know, you got to kind of, like, give me some signs, like, kick me in the ribs or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Like, let tell me. And I just really was trying to connect with my body, and everything just mm-hmm. kept telling me it's not going to work out. It's yeah. not, not going to happen like you're wanting it to. As much as you want to be, like... Mm-hmm. No medication, vaginal delivery. I have my music therapist for sound birthing and everything. I just yeah. everything said, listen to yourself. It's not going to happen. You have schedule to do your what's schedule right your view back. And so I did. And I think my doctor was actually very surprised because I think she was really like ready for me to do a VBAC and I had the paperwork that's the other thing that a lot of people don't know. I don't know if this is the same at all hospitals, but I had to sign paperwork for what I was going to do because I'd had a cesarean. Oh, like a liability thing. Kind of, sort of. It, it was just, it, I don't even know if it was a liability. It was just like, I understand that I had a cesarean and I'm going to try VBAC and these are all the things that are positive and these are all the risks. So they, you know, and I'm sure it's kind of, a, it's, I don't know that it's a liability thing exactly, but they want you to know this that and the other about your choices that you're making which I guess it's informed it may have been a little a little dated in some of their language mm-hmm. but you know I took those things into consideration but ultimately tried to you know just listen to my body and decide and 
Yeah. And I'm glad that I did because then after I had Owen, um, my doctor came and talked to me and she said, you know, I'm really glad that you decided to have the, v- or to have this, the scheduled cesarean. And she said, because when we got in there, your um, scar tissue from the previous cesarean where it connects with your uterus was very, very thin. Mm-hmm. And she said, and because the baby was so big, I think you may have torn during, like if you had tried to give birth vaginally and it would have ended up in a major surgery and it would have been needed. Yeah. into like basically like an emergency cesarean. So she said, I'm really glad that you listened to your body and Mm. what it was telling you. Cause I think it all boils down to, you know, this I think is with everything in life, but we're talking about parenthood. You've you've got Mm -hmm. to do what's right for you. And I think because there's so many books and, Classes. I think a lot of people think that there is, okay, here's the formula. This is how you give birth. Mm-hmm. This is how you raise your child. This is how you become a parent. This yeah. is how you should act. So I think with all the judgment and, and people putting opinions on you and telling mm-hmm. you what you should and shouldn't do, I think it might be because people think, well, there's this formula laid out for you. Right. Why are you not following it? Why are you diverting yeah. from the path? And because every woman is different, mm-hmm. every birth is different, every child is different, mm-hmm. every individual is different, mm-hmm. and you've got to find what works for you because something that might work for you as a mother might not work for me, and yeah. something that I do that works really well for you might be a nightmare for you. Yeah. You know, so it's you, true. You, you can't be rigid. And, you know, as a doula myself, I decided after my training and then after, you know, the first handful of births that we did that I was never, ever interested in being the type of doula that was like kind of judgy you mm-hmm. know if 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 you wanted yeah. to have medicine or if you wanted to do a scheduled cesarean like I know that there are doulas out there that if a mother came to them and said well we're having a scheduled cesarean and mm-hmm. even if it was for well I don't really feel like pushing or I don't want to risk mm-hmm. it like something that a reason that could be considered quite um you know selfish yeah, self- whatever yeah, but, yeah. There are doulas that will go, well, I don't, I don't, you know, support that. So mm-hmm. they'd say no. You know, every woman needs support, whoever it's coming from. Yeah. Even if they're yeah. alone and they have no doula, no birth partner. Yeah. You know, they're, they're banking on getting a really supportive, lovely yeah. midwife or doctor. Yeah. You know, so everybody's, everybody is going on their own journey. So I just made that choice that I mm-hmm. wanted to, no matter what it was, whether they said, you know, we, we did have our second birth. Mm-hmm. Do you remember she she didn't really want to breastfeed yeah, because she'd had some, some sexual trauma mm-hmm. and it was like, well, why would anyone push that on? Yeah. Her? That's a, that's a choice. That's she, a choice. You know, I listened to an amazing podcast. Um, the host is Giovanna Fletcher. It's, mm-hmm. it's hosted in England and it's called happy mum, happy baby. Okay. She started writing this book about her experiences as a mother. And then she went on to do a podcast yeah. about it. And, you know, she talks about, again, finding what's right for you. You do. And how you can't, you can't judge people because you have no idea what's, what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the name happy mum, mm-hmm. happy baby. If the mother is in distress or the parent is stressed out and not yeah. happy, that kid or that child is not going to feel safe or right. secure and they're going to pick up on those mm-hmm. energies. So guess what? I hate the phrase breast is best because you know that's that's all good and well Mm -hmm. but what if you had a a surgery where your mammary glands don't work and you Mm -hmm. can't breastfeed or the latch doesn't work and it Mm -hmm. it just doesn't happen for you that's such a judgment on you know women who can't or choose not to like the example of this woman that we helped that you know 
that act of breastfeeding made her feel very uncomfortable pinned down yeah. unsafe mm-hmm. triggered traumatized mm-hmm. so therefore it wouldn't have been a good experience for her so it right. wouldn't have been a good experience for the baby so and then you have then you have this dyad of just stress yeah yeah so fed is best yes if that's, that's pureed food new, yeah and it's organic and it's you know from the farm down the road mm-hmm. incredible yeah or if what you can afford is formula and baby food jars from the from the you know shopping center down the street fantastic if you're good. doing the best for your baby mm-hmm. then that's what you yeah you know that's what you need to to shoot for so I, yeah, yeah I just made that decision that I was I was going to be supportive of, of mothers in whatever situation they were in yeah I think I similarly after that it was just like you can't you kind of get it after you've been in that experience mm-hmm. whether you've been a mom or not after you see someone have a you, you get why people just you make a decision that's right it's for you and your family. Yeah, we're You're not just trying to get through the day. I yeah. think everyone's trying to oh, just make it. Yeah, because I mean, even even though I think Shannon and I feel like we've done this similar things in how we prepped for both babies, they're two completely different kids, mm-hmm. and I can already see now like our parenting style kind of has to alter for each kid. Yeah, because they respond differently to Absolutely. things, and I mean, so well, you can't expect like parents. Mm-hmm across the board to like read a parenting book and then it's this cookie cutter yeah, or this got is it how, great go yeah you know. and that's almost oh gosh I almost just like I have such a hard time with the Facebook mom groups mm. I've been joined a few like by invitation and I just it makes me want to pull my hair out because oh, right. I just you, you never see rarely do you see like a community of like embracing and really like holding up other parents it's mm-hmm. always like, well, that's not what I did, or my pediatrician told me this, or my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. sister's brother's uncle's goldfish's dog. Yeah. Well, good for them. Wrote good a, for them. Read an article about how you shouldn't do that because it's going to mess up your kids. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You just, you know how many parenting books, honestly, I've read? None. How much? <laughs> I won't read them. <laughs> how much do you think parenting is in intuitional? I think if you're willing to let go of all the societal expectations, I think if you just listen to your intuition, mm-hmm. you really do figure yeah. it out. I think if you've got good intentions of, yeah. of caring for your baby, exactly what you just said, if you just quiet those outside voices and you just listen to yourself and go okay well, what do I think is mm-hmm. best yeah um you know you usually will have a pretty good shot at yeah. doing you know I I nannied for many years and and that's sort of what I had to do with yeah. okay well what okay this isn't your child you know whatever but what do you think is best what's common sense mm-hmm. here you know and it's it's the fu- I can't remember how many years but you know are they needing a change yeah. are they hungry mm-hmm. are they tired are they yeah. needing a bit of affection yes exactly are they bored yeah. you know the five like yeah and if you've gone through all of them then you know you've you've done a pretty good shot you know yeah. trying your best of and for, you know it's a lot of it's trial and error yeah. figuring out it experience is. you know mm-hmm. a lot of different things yeah did you ever struggle with any sort of past postpartum depression or psychosis or anything um, that was really heavy after you gave birth I I fortunately didn't I mean I I had no people who have and have had friends who have had some struggles with that and I think it's definitely something as women we have to talk about and it it can't be taboo I mean it we need to talk about it it needs to be out front and and the thing is 
I've read some research studies that it's actually so underreported. We don't even have a good idea of how many women experience mm-hmm. this because I think right Probably now more than more than more women do than they yeah, don't. Yeah, I think right now some of the studies say it's like. 30 to 40 percent of women experience that's this so, that's such a high statistic and it is but they think that it's actually even higher than that because wow. that's only women that are reporting that they're experiencing that and i didn't oh and with something like psychosis which is where you're like really having like a psychotic breakdown break. and that's very serious and i think that's a lot more rare that that happens but just like you know the baby blues and then having um postpartum depression mm. i mean it happens and i really wish that women would just embrace other women and be there for mm. them and and help and know that that's okay. It's those are normal feelings and there's a really cool. Um, I wish I could remember her name, but there's a there's a wonderful TED talk out right now. I'm, I think I might be saying the wrong name. I think her name is Brenda Sachs, okay. but she has a great TED talk on a topic called matrescence, which is the act of becoming a mother after chi- childbirth, basically and what what happens to your body and all of these changes that occur that we wow. don't talk about and we don't acknowledge and we just like kind of sit there like oh my god did my other girlfriends go through this mm-hmm. did this happen to them you know i don't know if this is normal i don't know if i'm supposed to be feeling like this and i think we all have that i remember when leah was born we had company over maybe like a week after he was born and granted like if you have a cesarean you're in the hospital for several days afterwards We'd only been home a few days. We had people over for, I think, for Mother's Day because he was born right before Mother's Day. And I was, like, panicking because I didn't think he was getting enough breast milk. And I had a really hard time breastfeeding. And I just remember sitting in my bedroom sobbing. Well, I could hear people, like, coming in through the door. And everyone was so excited. We want to meet the baby. And I was just, like, in my room sobbing because I didn't know if he was getting enough to eat. And my I was just, like, my I don't feel like I have any milk. And I was, like... How would I know if I had any milk? Unfortunately, my husband's best friend was there, and she had a baby a little... He's a couple years older than Leo. And she came in, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, I just... I think he's starving. I don't know. I'm not sure if he's getting any milk. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel like, and I don't know if my milk has come in. And, you know, she was like... Just overwhelmed. You are. And it said those hormones are rebalancing, and you just feel like, why am I sitting here crying about this? Like, he, he must be fine. Like... Mm-hmm. He's peeing, he seems happy, he's sleeping, he's, you know, cooing. And she just, I remember her just sitting with me and being like, I think you're you're probably okay. Like, you know, let's try nursing him. And she literally sat with me and it was so sweet. And she was Mm. like, well, I can hear him. She's like, you know, I talked to a lactation consultant when I had a baby. And she was like, here's some things that I remember her telling me. And she told me, you know, if you hear them like, swallowing and like watch their little jaw go back and she was like yeah he's totally drinking milk and he's he's good and I was like are you sure because like I might be starving my baby mm-hmm. and but you also think and I think it's kind of funny too because we we live in a society now where so many moms work and they pump milk mm-hmm. and a lot of times I think we have these unfounded unrealistic expectations of how much milk you actually pump mm-hmm. after you have a baby when they're when they're that new like a week they're I mean they're drinking an ounce or two at a time I mean if you think about that that's like one to two little shot glassfuls that's not much mm-hmm. so I think sometimes as women when we see moms pumping and like on movies and things and you see they're like pumping they have like these eight ounce bottles full of milk and they're like drink. how long have you been sitting there I, know, I was like <laughs> oh, but, but that's why I was so panicked because I was like 
And then, you know, you start to learn from talking to other moms. And I went to like a, I went to a lactation class at the hospital that was free at the hospital that I delivered. And, and I talked to the lady and she was like, well, let's weigh him and then nurse him and then we'll weigh him again. And she's like, yeah, he's getting like two to three ounces when he nurses. That's completely normal for, you know, like two and a half weeks old. Mm. Like, oh, okay. I thought I was supposed to be having like all this milk coming yeah. out. And she's like, no, cause she's like, it, as your baby grows and their tummy gets bigger and they have more of an appetite, then your body will start naturally producing. But it's like things like that you don't think about. You know, so well, it's interesting how you just used the phrase. I thought I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of people and parents will say that. Well, aren't you supposed to X Y Z? I shouldn't I? You mm-hmm. know, I must be. And it's like, yeah. well, how about how do you feel about it? Yeah. And what do you think you need? Right. Have you felt because you've been a mum now for coming up on four years? Mm-hmm. Have you felt? like you've had a minute to yourself have you how do you feel after your children like do you feel like you're still Kate and you've been able to still nurture who you are as a person or has motherhood or parenthood just felt all consuming I think at this point after just having Owen I almost feel like it's been all consuming but I for me I mean I had so many life-changing events happen when I had Leah like I'd gotten married I'd just gone back to school and decided to do a two-year program for music therapy. So I went back to school. So I was pregnant with Leo while I was in school, had him, went back to finish the second year. Then I had to wait for my internship to start, like almost a full year. So it was just all this juggling of like trying to be me, trying to do what I wanted to do with career things, and mm-hmm. then trying to be a mom and then also a wife. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, we've both been married before. So this was a second marriage for both of us balancing all of these like new things new marriage like I hadn't been in LA for very long a couple years maybe and a lot of stuff so I think a lot of change at one time a lot so I I feel like I'm a better version of myself after having kids because they've brought things out in Mm -hmm. me that that have been good yeah but I also feel like it's hard in LA because like my sister and I always talk about this babysitters are so expensive. Mm -hmm. It's hard. If you're just like kind of a normal middle-class family to get out and hire a babysitter, I mean, it can run you like 80 to a hundred dollars. And that's if you can find someone who will take 15 an hour. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it is hard to kind of carve out that space for Mm -hmm. myself Mm-hmm. And carve out that space for my husband and I to mm-hmm. like go out and do things because yeah. we were very active and we would do a weekend trip on the drop of a dime and go yeah. like wine tasting and now that's different. Do you, you ever know? feel, because I think from the parents that I've talked to and, and this podcast is called Let's Be Honest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a safe and free space to really just talk about the hard things. I think mm-hmm. a lot of parents, they will say, they love their children, they would mm-hmm. die for them, but there's a lot of resentment there mm. of, I've given my body, my time, mm-hmm. my energy, I've yeah. given up my sleep, yeah. I don't have time, or you're in the in the freaking bed with me, I can't have sex with my husband <laughs> anymore, <laughs> I can't afford a date night, you're um, here, all you need is, oh sorry, my phone just dinged, um, right let's be honest it's a real podcast that was real life um you know I don't I don't have time you know all you do is need from me you don't give me anything and there's there's this incredible love and bond there but there's also this massive resentment of you know what have you done to me you know that and that doesn't take away from 
yeah the times that you enjoy with your children but yeah. I think that there is this you know I think a lot of people maybe don't realize what what parenthood is like before they get pregnant and then when yeah. it comes along they go uh this is not what I thought it was yeah. because you know you see your friends with babies and like oh it's so sweet and you cuddle them and hold them mm. but you forget that like those parents are with that kid 24 7 mm. and I think that people who aren't parents or haven't been mm-hmm. nannies or really spent you know the the grafting time with yeah. children yeah that it's it's not just snuggles it's, it's not, not you know you come over I think a lot of people who who think oh I really want to be a parent and really want to have a children yeah to have children you know they'll visit a friend that has a baby and they'll have like this really lovely hour of of (laughs) holding them and and, you know giving them a bottle or feeding Mm -hmm. them and then you know just oh oh my god the hair smells like a baby and they'll play and it'll be this really really sweet and they'll go yeah definitely want a baby definitely want a kid I can't wait to be a mum and then you go (laughs) can I just pull you aside for five seconds and just tell you how it really is because you don't sleep you don't really get to shower or Mm -hmm. you know have a poo by yourself like it's it is true. It, there's no time for I you. rarely have a shower by myself the bathroom door is always getting knocked on if I'm trying to pee um mom yeah. mom mom um, yep exactly yeah yeah well, dad, dad dad it's true and they observe everything I mean they they just watch everything you're doing and you like it's like you're on display for a tiny person all the time like my my son is convinced that girls pee out of their butts <gasps> really yeah because why? Most women sit down to go to the bathroom, oh, and so he, he only associates yeah, I... sitting with pooping. Right. So we've had a lot of talks about mm-hmm. peeing and pooping, mm-hmm. vaginas, penises, mm-hmm. and the works. Has he ever... And, yeah. I had a friend talk to me the other day about um, that their kid, who at the time, you know, was was probably about um, Leo's age, you know, like two, mm-hmm. three, and, you know, they were, you know, getting dressed, so, you know, they were naked mm-hmm. or whatever, and, and the kid just comes up and goes, what's that? Mm-hmm. And, like, just starts, like... <laughs> tugging on things. Tugging on things <laughs> and, like, going... And you're, like, I don't want to explain myself to you. Yes. Like, stop it. It happens. I mean, they do. And they do, and they're your child, yeah. and you're, like, don't ask me about that. You yeah. Know? And they call you out on everything. I mean, they 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 do, and it's funny, and it's... I don't know. It's it's rewarding, but yeah, I mean, I feel like there's parts of me that I've lost that I try and regain, and parts mm-hmm. of like our marriage that are definitely different. And because you know you've got these kids, and I think you know we're trying to balance that. Because my mom has her, um, she's got her master's in early childhood development, so I grew up going to like classes on raising children and child development, and mommy and me classes and parenting classes, and um, I remember my mom always telling people in her parenting classes, when you have kids, you have to remember who the person was you had kids with in the first place. Because if you forget about that relationship, mm. you know, it's it's not going to go so well. Because, yeah. it, you know, and some parents do, they get so wrapped up in their kids, they forget that they were a couple mm. before they had the kids. Yeah. And they, they lose track of that. And then I almost think it almost becomes more resentment towards the maybe the partner sometimes mm-hmm. like how important oh we had these kids and right like, now we don't spend any time together well yeah you know how important do you think it is for a couple who have children to to really carve out that time and make time for intimacy oh you have to it's so it's hard though but how do you do that when you know like some I feel parents... like we're still trying to figure that out I mean we're two kids in now and yeah you know we for a while we were good about making sure we went on a date night and and leaving Leah with somebody and we had like a really good pool of 
you know, friends who lived in the area and friends like you or my friend Judy who were like more than happy to hang out with Leo so we could go catch a movie or go to dinner. But now with two, it's it's mm-hmm. much harder. And, f- and for parents who, you know, co-sleep or, or have their mm-hmm. child sleep in the room, mm-hmm. how, like, how do you ever have time to like have a moment to yourself? I feel like we spend a lot of time watching movies together on the couch or just yeah. doing things in our living room. Because like, it's LA, it's expensive here. And yeah. I've been in school and then, you know, just trying to get my practice up and running with music therapy and, and birth support. And it is hard. So, I mean, we have a one bedroom. Both of the boys sleep in the room with us. We haven't found, I don't know, we don't dislike it. We would definitely like a little more space, but we also love where we live Mm -hmm. in the area. But I do feel like it's important to carve out that time, even if it's like just sitting and talking after the kids are in bed. Or having your coffee together in the morning. Exactly, before they wake up, if you're so lucky that you're children sleep and mm-hmm. you get to get up before they do i just close the door and be like well i'll be in in 10 minutes yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes you have to do that it's mm-hmm. a it's a little hard with the three-year-old like if the baby's sleeping it's harder with the three-year-old to say like here we need a few minutes just like go chill out with your toys or something and we're happy to put on a television show for him if he needs something but yeah it's really important because you can't lose sight of that relationship yeah. that was there prior to the relationship with the kids it's really important mm-hmm. um but yeah like i said we're still trying to figure that out we were mm-hmm. just talking about that the other day because we just thought gosh we haven't just done anything just the two of us yeah and then you know there's a lot of talk in the parenting community of you know mum and dad guilt mm-hmm. you know so even if you did yeah. secure a babysitter and you go out for a date night there's a lot of parents that talk about feeling guilty yeah if we're just taking that time for yourself or what if they need me or you mm-hmm. know I should be with them yeah. and so do you feel like you've had parent guilt oh yeah especially with having two because then I feel bad because the three-year-old his world has been kind of rocked by having this sibling who's here now and his like I do remember he, when Owen first came home and Liam was like mm. mm-hmm. Who is this? When he came to the hospital, Mom, is that baby still here? It's <laughs> literally what he asked me. Is that baby still here that was here yesterday? No, yeah. like, concept that that's no. his brother. Or... No, none whatsoever. But I do think there is that guilt because, I, because I'm breastfeeding. So I'm constantly, like, mm-hmm. nursing the baby. And poor Leo's, like, waiting so patiently for a three-year-old mm-hmm. for, like, something and I'm always like I feel so bad because I'm constantly telling him just a minute I have Mm -hmm. to do blah 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 with Owen yeah and I just I feel I do I have that mom guilt like oh but I used to do every last little thing with you and it was so easy but it is it's like that balance of yeah trying to do stuff with my husband trying to do stuff with Leo Mm -hmm. and then you know Owen's just almost five months and just doing his thing but yeah Shannon and I were talking about that like we really need to find a time where you and I go out as a couple, but also sometimes where we just, each of us do something with just Leo, or mm-hmm. as you and I, we do something with just Leo and have like a Leo date where we go and like, we leave Owen for a couple hours with somebody just to kind of keep balances with yeah. relationships. And we've been talking about how we think we can make that happen. Cause I have a cousin who does that. They, yeah. they the husband and wife, they go on their dates, but they also have a kid date. Where each of the parents takes the kid out so they have like a little special time with each kid. And it's nice. Do you feel like, this might sound like a silly question, but do you feel like parenthood was easier with just one child? 
because hmm. you weren't having to balance like between the two a little bit easier I mean or different different and easier yeah I, there's got to be a, maybe a different word because it was with Leo we, we, we could still go and like when he was tiny we could still go do a wine tasting you know mm-hmm. or run off and go do something for a weekend because we didn't have it's like we have one kid now it's two kids and trying to balance that yeah. and figure out like oh gosh it was a little easier when it was only one but then on the other hand then it's a little easier with this baby because we're not first-time parents again mm-hmm. so we know what to look for and those cues for baby things yeah. and when he's upset and when he needs to eat do you worry less second time around i think so i think we're, we're pretty we're pretty relaxed parents in general but i think we're we're relaxed you yeah. know a lot of people because well, you could say well i've been through this i know yeah. that it will be okay or, yeah i did, think so i would less yeah did you feel like when owen now owen's here did you feel like oh i can't imagine life without him yeah like yeah, it there was has always been meant feeling. to be yeah these like two little brothers yeah hanging out because before when it was just leo mm-hmm. you know that that was the world that you could you could picture and yeah. then and then even when you were pregnant but he wasn't quite here yet but yeah. now he's here you're like wow i really couldn't match i can't can you not like picture your life before or is it like how I does can, it feel i think i can still picture it but then you know we just we just took a big trip with both of them mm-hmm. and you know flew internationally and i and i never thought you know like oh we'll be doing this with two kids like how? we did it once with one and i was like oh yeah no problem and i was like how can we do it with two and we did it and we just made how it is it flying internationally with children because i it's funny i oh. if i had it my way i'm not i don't want to be too far away from motherhood yeah. you know maybe another five years or something but mm-hmm. you know god laughs at our plans yep. um and it's funny because I, I've always been a very, very maternal person. Mm, I've been, yes, you are. Um, you know, I've been a nanny for many years, as I said. I've, you know, I've just grown up with lots of younger cousins, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I already have anxiety about things in parenthood that I will encounter. Mm. And I think that's probably because I've been very involved with um, newborns, with yeah. being a doula and a nanny mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But I think oh my gosh, what, you know, how, how could it, how can anyone like travel internationally with a baby? What if they cry? What if they don't stop crying the whole yeah. way? Like, what if something happens? How do you know who you can trust, you know, to leave your kids with and mm-hmm. all these things, you know? So did you, did you have a lot of worries before you were a parent and, and were they still worries after the babies had arrived? I was worried more about like, I think how it was going to affect my relationship with my husband. Like, mm. how, is there things going to be the same with him after we have babies? Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been a different experience. I think for me, I've had a hard time because I've had two boys, and i I have um, I have a younger sister, and I also had a younger brother who passed in a car accident when we were teenagers. So having sons. I feel like I'm very overprotective. Mm. Not not like in a like helicoptery parent. I would kind definitely of not say you're a helicopter. No, mom. not at all. You're, I'm like yeah, here, you're go very balanced. Yeah, it's okay. Here, use the butter knife. You're fine. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, flip that steak. It'll be fine. Exactly. Just use the sharpest knife there is. <laughs> yes, but I think I was. I've been very nervous about having boys because I had a my brother and he mm. passed, and I, I've even talked to Shannon about this. I was like. I feel like I'm just like really 
protective of them mm. because I, I've experienced loss that way and oh, saw yeah. what my parents went through mm-hmm. losing a child. And now I have two boys. Yeah. And and I had talked to my sister about that too. Like, do you feel different because you have two girls and a boy? Like, you are, do you feel more like protective of your boy than you do your girl because of what our family went through? And she was like, yeah, it's been kind of different. But I, you know... She could speak to that probably more as well, having a girl and a boy. But I have two boys. And, um, yeah, it's it's been very interesting because I do, I do, you know, you kind of, you want to protect them from, like, life's hurts. But mm-hmm. then even, like, bigger life's hurts, like mm-hmm. people dying and those kind of things. Yeah. I do feel like I get a little weird kind of PTSD yeah. in the summer, especially in the summer because mm-hmm. my, my brother passed away in the summer. And, mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's really interesting. Do you do you think that you're the parent you thought you would be? I do. Except that I thought I'd have a lot more kids. Okay. <laughs> Cuz I yeah, I don't know. But it's it's funny now having the two, I'm kind of comfortable with it because mm-hmm. my husband and I love to travel yeah. and we love to just explore. So I'm kind of seeing the benefit of just having two cuz we we've, we've decided like we're done. Two's good. Knock on wood. Two is good. You know how good. God sometimes laughs at you. Yeah. But I think two's good. And, and you know, traveling with them has not been bad. And it's mm-hmm. kind of nice because they are at an age difference where the three-year-old, he wants our attention, but he's also fine to be like, leave me alone. I want to watch my Paw Patrol. Yeah. Or Daniel Tiger. Yeah. Or whatever he wants to watch. So, you know, we can pass around the baby yeah. he watches show and we didn't he's a bit more independent now he is and yeah. I think that helped traveling internationally mm-hmm. with you know because we had we were able to to get around yeah and he can he can walk and he can he's potty trained and mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad and I don't think we went into it really with any preconceived notions other than like we're gonna take this trip and we'll we'll see how we mm-hmm. do how yeah. what was that hardest jump like one to two or two to three in terms of how old they were for traveling or just in in, no just in like general development like two to three really like where where the older one is right now Mm. he's just he's really exploring who he is and his boundaries Mm -hmm. and being independent and I mean well you saw him when you got here I don't want to talk to you right now it's like well excuse uh-huh. me yeah and he's like that I mean he will tell you how he feels if you right. ask him or if you don't ask him he'll right. still tell you how he feels yeah but yeah I think that's been hard because he's really he wants to be his own little person mm-hmm. and you see so much more of their personality come out and like how he's going to be and trying to figure out how to parent him because he's he's very he's independent and he's very thoughtful and he's mm-hmm. very verbal yeah so he has no problem telling anybody anything he's trying to explain to them but he's he's also a runner mm-hmm. we've learned mm-hmm. and he will take off and really? he just thinks it's funny oh, to just run off well talk going back to like people being judgy and stuff and i i can't quite work out how i feel about these things but you know there's like reins that people put on kids see we really debated about that one before when we went to europe because mm-hmm. i was like maybe we should get one of those backpacks with the leashes on it it or- looks like you're i mean I've <laughs> it got, looks like dog it like does dog, and yeah. i've never and i would never like say you know i've never go up to a parent and go i'd really think that's terrible but in my mind when i see it i go oh that child does look like it's being taken for a walk like a small dog yeah I that's something that I'm like oh I, I mean I get the principle of it and 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 
because I'm sound, I feel like I'm sounding quite judgy by saying that. But no. then there are situations where I've, you know, when I was nannying, where the kids have just shut off. And guess what? A leash would have been really helpful. And it's true. You know? yeah, and and it's, if you've got a really mm-hmm. wild child that is just, you know, not listening, and guess what? I, like, mm-hmm. I mean, as a nanny, I was absolutely no nonsense. Yeah. Really fun and loving, but I did not take any you know no guff no no and but there was there were kids that just were at that age where they just yeah I did everything in my professional you know power to to be a great nanny yeah. and guess what they just wouldn't listen because sometimes kids just don't listen and yeah and he's definitely like that if it's a if it's a choice between oh this looks kind of controversial or stopping them running in the street guess what yeah go ahead mum and dad have at it you know what I mean that's kind of how I felt when we talked about that and I said you know if it's an issue of safety and him like running out into the street because he thinks that he's being funny Mm -hmm. because he gets a reaction out of us so yeah I mean it's that's gotta be difficult it's hard doing stuff just to get a rise out of you you're like you're three what are you doing and he does it on purpose too he he knows he's doing it but yeah I mean I think if you it, it, it always goes back to that like you have to do what's best for yeah. you and your family like we ultimately didn't end up getting one mm-hmm. but we you know we have the stroller that can the baby can go in it he can stand on the back on mm-hmm. a little like stand and then we had the the carrier mm-hmm. so the baby would end up in the carrier lot and he would end up in the stroller yeah. and you know sometimes you feel bad like I've had to tell him like I'm sorry you haven't listened and you we have to buckle you into the stroller now yeah do we have to psych yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. But I think that's the way it is, you know, for every part of parenting or, or child raising, um, you know, because there's obviously people out there who are raising children that that are not, you know, genetically their own. There's yeah. people who have, um, you know, adoptive children yeah. or they're fostering, mm-hmm. um, you know, or they've had a baby by a sperm donor, you know. So obviously anybody who's raising a child is, is a parent. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's like that in every sort of sector of parenthood whether it's safety or getting your child to eat or bedtime you've got to adapt to what works for you and your child um as a nanny and I keep saying that because I'm like I'm not a mother I can't talk (laughs) on being a parent but um I remember I used to get really stressed out by the kids not eating yeah you know and I I um I wonder how much of what I did as a nanny will transfer into over like if and when I become a parent mm. or what I'll go oh wow like I, that's different now that my kids right. you know are here I'm not going to do that like that anymore but um you know I never was a, a nanny that thought okay well the kids have to eat these really sophisticated meals like you know kids eat kid food and, you know you've got to have balance and yeah. you know they've got to yeah. eat their veggies and stuff but um I remember I used to get royally stressed when mm-hmm. they just wouldn't eat and I would yeah. think how can you go to bed on an empty stomach? You haven't eaten anything all day, and yeah. I'll just do everything I can to like distract them, to like get them to eat, and, mm-hmm. and it would take an hour. And then I realized, after several years of being a nanny, you know what? They will eat when they're hungry. They will. And if they're full, or if they're not interested in that, yeah, it'd be great if they ate all their broccoli and their cucumber and had their greens and didn't just want a packet of, you know goldfish yeah that would be great but also (laughs) they'll be fine they will they'll be fine if 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 some days you know all your kids want to eat is a bagel and you know raisins raisins yeah and that's what they want yeah 
it is so not worth the stress because a child naturally as all human beings do have the instinct to eat Mm -hmm. and when they're hungry they'll come and ask for things and obviously you have to you're not going to guide them yeah you're not gonna let them have an ice cream or a pizza every time they say they're hungry yeah um you know but if there's several days in a row or a Mm -hmm. period of a couple of weeks where all they want is that one thing and and anybody who hasn't dealt with children know that they will say pizza or whatever is their favorite thing one day and then the next day they will look at you like you've given them cyanide yeah they're not interested yeah but you know they'll they'll come to you when they're hungry and and this is not taking away the need for boundaries because obviously you know the parents are the ones who should be the authority figure no three-year-old should be running a house but Kids will fall asleep when they're tired. They will. And they will eat eat when they're hungry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they they tell you more than than I think people think. And I think also, again, it's not that I I really don't have time for, I'm sorry if this sounds dodgy, but in this instance, I don't really care, but I really don't (laughs) have time for people who allow their children to run the roost. Yeah, yeah. Like that is just, to me, that's irresponsible because it's my personal belief and it's also the correct belief (laughs) that you know children need crave no matter how much they might scream the opposite they want boundaries they want want structure because you know they are like a pack of dogs in that way that they are look who is in charge here Mm -hmm. who is alpha Mm -hmm. because guess what i feel safe and secure when somebody is setting healthy boundaries for me you know so i don't believe in oh well he just sets his own bedtime rubbish yeah you know i'm very maybe british and no nonsense in that way but yeah. you know i just i think that on where it is appropriate your kids will tell you things they will that are you know um really helpful in, yeah. in their development they will guide you on and really what they need as well but i think a lot of parents maybe don't know that or don't think to or, or, they, the or they second they second guess themselves or they've read a book or their friend has told them right. x y and z and we you know what we we decided to do baby led weaning mm-hmm. with Leo. Yeah. And so we waited a little, like we let him try different foods off our finger when he was probably, I don't know, between like four or five, six months. Did you ever do the lemon one where they like make that face? With the, like, he definitely, <laughs> he liked foods like that. Really? But yeah. But we did baby led weaning and we, you know, where you almost wait a little bit longer. Um, You let them like try stuff, but then you give them like soft cubes of food that they can pick up and eat. And we just, we decided. It wasn't worth the headache in our experience after buying a few little jars of baby food. We're like, we're losing our minds. He's mm-hmm. just spitting this all out mm-hmm. over. So we read it's up. so expensive. And it too. is. And you realize how much you're wasting. And so we, you know, I read a book on baby led weaning and uh, by Nina Plank. And I was like, this, I think this is what's going to fit with our family. Because we just felt like we were wasting so much time at dinner. Mm-hmm. And he was still breastfeeding. And, and, and we did that. And he, he would just eat what he wanted. And she had, um, in that book, um, that Nina Plank wrote, she had done a research study and I still want to look up this woman, but there was a nurse who did a, um, an experiment with children who the nurses would go in and deliver like this huge table full of food to these children. And then they would, they would weigh all of the food. They knew what was there. And then they would just let the children eat what they wanted and they, nothing would be said, not a peep from the nurses. And then they would go and they would weigh everything to see what they had eaten and how much amounts. And even if the kids had like spit stuff out or spilled stuff on the floor, everything was weighed to see what they were eating. And they found that children eat what they need. Mm. 
And like, well, they Isn't said that, amazing. Yeah, and because and you know they said like one day there was a little boy over the course of like four or five days ate like twelve pounds worth of oranges. And he then needed like a vitamin C boost. Yeah, and she then they said and we did they just let him and then one day he's like no I don't want any more oranges I'm good mm. and he was fine and they said there was another little boy um, he had. There was something, I think the study was done in, I'll have to check, maybe the 40s or the 50s, but he had something that he had a deficiency. And on his own, he was adding, they had given him like, they were like little bowls of like salt and seasonings and like cod liver oil. And he was putting the cod liver oil on his food. And then they found out he had some deficiency in something. And cod liver oil is one of the things. And it's amazing, I just think, People, ex- they, I mean, children are children and we do need to guide them and give them some boundaries and stuff. But I always think if someone just put a plate of food in front of me and was like, eat that, you have to eat that. That's your only option. You'd be mm. like, but I wasn't really, f- I mean, there's been nights I've told Shannon like, eh, I'm really not feeling like, you know, lasagna for dinner. And you pick something different. But kids, so I, we've kind mm-hmm. of taken that approach with our son. Like he eats what we make for dinner. Yeah. But, you know, we usually put out a couple options like, while we're making, we include him in the making of the dinner. Like, mm-hmm. hey, should we have broccoli tonight or Brussels sprouts with our spaghetti? And, like, mm-hmm. let him choose. And then I think that's kind of given him a little more free reign. And his, you know, his his habits change and yeah. he, he likes different things. But I we did that with him in the food and just kind of, like, would just put things on his tray and be like, let's see what he eats. Yeah. I think that – I didn't know about that research. Mm-hmm. That is so fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, because I think that really highlights how, yes, as we're saying, children need boundaries, they need structure, they need, you know, kind, loving authority. Yeah. But also, children they're are still, so smart. They're smart. They're and they're tiny. They're tiny people. They are, and and there's such an innocence and a um, brilliance to children that mm-hmm. they will show you more than you expect them to. Yes. What yeah. do you think? you would say to somebody who's either thinking about entering parenthood or who is Mm -hmm. you know going to be soon because they're maybe having one on the way what do you think advice after being a mum for four years and having two children what would you what would you say to somebody who was about to enter the arena of parenthood Mm -hmm. follow your gut I mean you have these like instinctual feelings for a reason and I think we've gotten I think we get so much, so sucked into kind of like social media and, and you know, um, these parenting groups and things where so many people are giving you so much information all the time and you're constantly getting it and you're reading all of that. But if you just stop, I finally took myself off of almost all of these groups until recently I have a couple that just to kind of keep up on what's trending right now because of what I study with music therapy and kids and my own kids. I just kind of want to see what people are talking about. But I think what I've seen the most and what I would tell people is just follow that instinct that you have because we all have it. Even even dads have it. Moms have it. Dads have it. Mm-hmm. Whether you've got two moms, two dads, a mom and a dad, a grandma and a mom, I, you know, whatever the case is, you have those instincts with children on how, like what they need. And mm-hmm. if you just follow that, and you know don't get on facebook and don't ask 700 moms in a mom group don't google actually ask yourself what do you think yeah what do you think's going on with your baby why do you think they're crying why do you think this 
usually you'll find an answer or just, you know, try not to second guess yourself because there's been so many times where I just thought, you know what, where you were talking earlier about like, I sh- I'm supposed to, I should, I dot, dot, dot. And I found that the times where I had those moments where I was just like, what are we supposed to be doing? When my husband and I just stopped and said, what do we feel like? What feels good to us to do? He's crying. It's 2 a.m. Do you go pick him up? Do we let him give him a few minutes? And our instinct was, no, he needs us. He's crying. If I woke up crying in the middle of the night, I'd want my husband to roll over and be like, hey, are you okay? Is, he, mm-hmm. is everything all right? I was like, why would we not do that mm-hmm. for a child or a baby? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like these, the now here I am being judgy, like the cry it out kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason why your heart, like as a, as a parent goes <clears throat> when you hear your baby cry, mm-hmm. because that's your instinct to like go to yeah. them and help them. And, Especially when they're so little. Right. And it really does help. It helps build bonding. And yeah. I mean, there's studies on that and I'm reading books on bonding with babies right now. And you know, there's so much to that. Just listen to that instinct. There've mm-hmm. been so many, I, I had a friend one night who, who messaged me and she was texting me like, oh, this is going on with my little boy and, and he's just crying and I feel so bad, but you know, we've been, or we're trying to like get him to go to sleep. And I was like, just trust your instinct. Like if you feel like something's up, like go check on him and rock mm-hmm. him or whatever. And she texted me the next morning and she was like, oh, I tried, I waited it out instead. And he finally went to sleep and she's like, I feel so bad because I went in and he had, he had puked. And she was like, I felt so terrible. She's like, I just, I should have listened to, Mm -hmm. to you and to my gut instinct that you were telling me, like, listen to your gut instinct. Mm -hmm. What should I go do? Cause I said, I don't know if it was my kid, I'd go in and pick him up. Like, I don't care. But you can hear those, those different types of cries, you know, when you're just like, you know, all right, you're just making noise because you're being vocal and then you can tell when something's really wrong. Yeah. And you just, just listen to it. Go, go with it. Like, and don't worry about you know what some mom across the country on Facebook is telling you you should be doing with your kid go with your gut instinct Mm. you know read some parenting books if that's your style or you know research things like I'm a huge researcher I haven't read a lot of parenting books because I try to knock it too sucked in but I also want to be educated Mm -hmm. like right now I feel like is a time where I'm like kind of looking for books on how do I how do I work on this with my kid is he just acting out like this and running off and thinking it's funny because we have a new baby here and he wants attention and this is how he's getting it right now or you know do we need to be disciplining him Mm -hmm. more solidly for for some reason or another but it Mm -hmm. is it just you know do what works for you and I also think you know remember that time goes really quickly and cherish the small moments and and try and have as much joy and you know love and affection you know, and let the small stuff go as much as possible because yeah. you know you'll 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 turn around and they'll be ten, and then you'll turn around and they'll be graduating high school, and That's then so you'll be true. like, oh, they're not little anymore. So I think it's you know cherishing yeah. those times as a family. Yeah. Well, we've come to the end of our oh, hour. I love talking to you. Me too. That was a really l- just lovely chat. Yeah. yeah. About uh, a thing that you know we're both really passionate about. Yeah. Well, Kids. you've got a fantastic family, and Thank you know you. I know from from seeing you that you're you're a great mum so I can't wait boys, to see you become a mum well, we've got some travelling to do oh yeah and a man to meet before but yes, that's we'll true. figure it out you know put that well, into the cosmos thank you for being on Let's Be Honest it was thank a pleasure you. having you oh my pleasure thank thanks Kate
you for joining us on this episode of Let's Be Honest. Be sure to follow us across social media using the tag Let's Be Honest, the podcast, and tune in next week for a very special episode. Bye.